Play ball. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. This is TFG Unbuttoned. Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, John Nash. Join us here every Tuesday morning for our podcast, TFG Unbuttoned. It's part of our overall media empire, which is the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash, and our live show, which is every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East, now in our 13th year. I think it's either 13 or 14, John. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always trying to... Depends on how we measure it. Solomon's Compromise, 13.5 years. <laughs> 13.5 years. And, uh, but, but anyway, you can find all, of, uh, all the information about us, including our partners, at focusgroupradio.com. You'll be able to find both the audio and video broadcast there. So uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for staying through with us this summer. I can't believe we're pushing toward August, John. August is arriving. Bob's niece is arriving, actually, from the West Coast. She's going to be starting school in upstate New York. And uh, we're giving up the house so they can quarantine. And we'll be back in the city for about, I think, 10 to 14 days, whatever the quarantine when thing is. When are they is. arriving? Uh, next Wednesday. So they're coming in. And it's interesting the way some schools are doing this. Um, and her school is uh, having students try to arrive earlier. And, and if they're from out of state, they want them to be at least quarantined for a week and a half. Then when they go to campus, they have to stay in their rooms basically for a week and then they get tested again. So the campus actually has a testing regimen, which I think is kind of good. Um, they're not doing team sports, although she's kind of hoping to do team sports, but instead the coaches have already told all the team players that it's going to be workouts and training. So kids, you're not getting off the hook, right? <laughs> It would be like your rowing coach saying, you're not going to be rowing any races, but you're going to be rowing. <laughs> yeah, you know what they did? So they canceled all the sports at my college as well for the season, uh, for the fall season. But the one outlier is rowing, which is what I did. And there was an alum that donated, I want to say 15 to 20 single boats, which is quite an expensive endeavor. Each boat's probably five, six, seven thousand 7,000 bucks. I was going to say, what I remember when you had a single, right? right. Or was it? A, yeah, they're not cheap. No, they're not cheap. And so he, he donated singles so that it's, you could social distance, essentially. Be out like, it'd be like going cycling by yourself or going out for a run. So he, um, so he ended up uh, donating those shells. So I don't know uh, whether they're going to be able to do that or not, because there will be no competitions, but I, I'm guessing you could still work out with your team is my, my thought. I don't know. Well, she's a soccer player, okay. so it's a lot easier to be on the field doing drills right. because you're being, you're, you could be, the coach could have you going up and down the field, but you could be many, many, many feet apart from somebody else going up and down the field right. so, and you're outdoors too. Um, yeah, so they're doing that and, um, I'm paying attention to this cause my friend Chris teaches up at Williams and they're also navigating in class, not in class, virtual, who's on campus, who's not, but you know, I, I, I put it this way, you know, they have to make the effort. I think it's important to begin to start marching in that direction and figuring it out. And yeah, mistakes might get made, but hopefully, um, and when I say a mistake, I mean, maybe they miscalculated something about, you know, quarantining or testing, but I'm hopeful that it works out because I think, um, I think kids, and I think when I say kids, even teens that are going to college or anything, there's a, there's a bit of normalcy about that. And it's nice to have the world return to something, right? Yeah, no, I, I hope there, I hope that, uh, it's successful and, uh, and the schools can open up again because you're exactly right. The, the sense of normalcy, I mean, these poor kids, 
that were seniors in their their spring of uh, 2020 and and missing graduation and all those antics that happened during during senior week or your last few semesters is uh, kind of too bad because that was certainly a rite of passage for college kids. So well, hopefully your niece is uh, looking forward to going to school. So she lives she lives out of state, so she's going to college in New York State. Yeah, she lives in uh, in the Bay Area near in California. Wow. And when I was watching her with uh, Bob on Zoom with her mom yesterday, and I walked by because I was actually in the process of cleaning my bike outside. And I came in and I was done. I was putting the equipment away, the bike stand and stuff. And I came up from the basement and I saw them. And they're having this somber conversation about traveling and, and hygiene and protocol. You know, <laughs> I just said over Bob's shoulder, I said, yay, it's college time. I said, forget all this dreary stuff. You're going to school. <laughs> She busted out laughing immediately because I think there's that sense that there's this heaviness. But I want to remind her that this is just something she's got to process through because it's still going to be an enjoyable experience. So, hey, we've got uh, we have three stories this week. John curated uh, curated these. And I laughed about the first one because this was something that uh, you and I both tackled personally and professionally. The headline is uh, in the age of remote work, people under 30 might finally kill email. I think that's a little bit misleading. But but to me, the gist of this story was something that you and I used to go back and forth with. When I was in corporate world or corporate America, it seemed like 99.9% of any business or large business were using the Microsoft suite of products. And they usually were quite old. They, they were never really that up to date. And you were very much an Apple guy and cutting edge with tech. And I would laugh about this because as I was reading this, they're talking about now all these kids that are are people under 30 and the rest of us that that are working from home, that they're really trying to work with sets of uh, either software or um, G Suite or Microsoft Office or whatever the various apps are and software that works for them. And a lot of times when you worked at a company, you had to do what was approved by the IT department. And in this case, they're saying maybe they'll let people use a diverse set of tools every day that they're most comfortable with. For instance, you and I have just done some interviews whether it was through Zoom or through Skype, or maybe it's a FaceTime thing. So in the past, that was probably never going to be the case because you had to do what was only approved. And I know that used to frustrate you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as Tim said, the, they, they've looked at this. And I think the generational divide you mentioned a moment ago is, is a generational divide. I should have said that better. The office was the thing you yep. did. And in your case, when you were at Subaru, I mean, you were using office like 95, <laughs> even in 2002 <laughs> Two, yeah. or something. You'd send and stuff it, I could never open. I'm like, John, you have to understand where the Flintstones, your Jetsons were the Flintstones. And you would say that all the time. You'd say, you got to save it down, save it down, save it down to an earlier generation. And then for a long time, Microsoft played this game where the, um, the Windows version of Office was slightly different than the Mac version, and it would drive me crazy, especially with Word and PowerPoint. Excel, not so much, but the other ones. So, you know, the companies like Google's G Suite or uh, Microsoft's apps um, or Skype or a bunch of this or Slack, they all kind of play like when you start with one platform, that's what you're going to use. And the article, as Tim said, digs in deeper and says that these the, the younger generation is very task specific and they used they might use Google Docs for one thing. They might use Microsoft Excel for another. They might use Zoom or or um, FaceTime or Skype right. <laughs> for for meetings. They might use Slack, but they might use Slack plus Apple's iMessages. 
By the way, that was something that, uh, just as a sidebar, that Apple iMessage thing comes up. You and I have talked about this before in different contexts. So there was an article you and I covered many months ago about people buying iPhones because they didn't want their messages to be delivered in green bubbles, but in blue bubbles. And the blue meant you were part of, you know, Apple to Apple. (laughs) So I just thought this was interesting. And they only mentioned the email thing at the very end. Um, They talked about how email is not the preferred method of communicating with some of these folks uh, or the younger generation. They would prefer to use things like iMessage or a Slack, which is more like a message system. You know, I might not disagree with that, but I have the same problem with those systems as I have with email. Everything's buried in the thread and you still have to go back and forth and search for stuff. Well, right? that's exactly what I said as the key, the key point I took from this is you and I had worked with a client that insisted on using Slack. And what we found was somebody felt they could post it on Slack and then they were done. And yeah. so for us, it was just another source because then you get asked a question about something that might have been on Slack and email. And so rather than just having it all together in a, in a timeline, which, which uh, your email can do for you, particularly in Gmail, it ended up being somebody would post something in Slack and then it would just sit there and it might get ignored or the feeling of the person who put it in there is, well, I put it in Slack or what was the other one? Trello was another, another one of those. (laughs) And I I also (laughs) really don't like, um, I don't like Google docs either because for me, it gets too confusing as to what's what. And then I've got to go in and click buttons. I end up deleting stuff. I'm not supposed to, but they essentially say here it's it's what what you're comfortable with, and a lot of the people under thirty that may have had experience different um, using different software or maybe newer applications that we might not be familiar with are going to want to incorporate that. I thought that was kind of the gist of the story. Is yeah, you could wrap it up by one line in here is um, chooser versus user. So if you were a user and your tech team came along, here's what you're going to do. Square peg, round hole, you got to do this, this, this. But if you're the chooser, you're going to say, I'm going to do this, this. You're going to cherry pick your tools and assemble what you need to do to communicate with your team. And I guess the reverse engineering of that is that IT departments now simply bless the setup. It's secure. It's fine. And one little hitch here that's interesting is cloud storage. Either it's G Drive or my favorite is personally Dropbox. There's a lot of ways of controlling access to that data so it can stay secure. So I, in many ways, it's just this whole thing is just more tools, more choice. Turns out the under 30 crowd is a little, um, they're not, they're not like married they're to agnostic. one set. They, yeah. They're more agnostic with their, their choices. The, uh, the second one, I, this is almost like a, uh, a joke? Well, a joke or an infomercial or something. But so it, it's when we tease the show at the top or the podcast at the top with Play Ball, this headline is Dollar Shave Club wants you to turn your balls into a work of art. And essentially, they've got this new product coming out called Groundskeeper, which is a, a spray for men that um, will help with stickiness and bat wings and all the other things people joke about with the, the male anatomy uh, down below the belly button or I guess your balls because they seem to mention it here quite often. And uh, we had had somebody on our, on our show, the focus group, a long time ago that actually had something called junk oil. Remember that? Yes, I do. I do. So, so this reminded me a little bit of that, although this is a spray. And they've got a contest, which I thought you and I should do. We have up until August 3rd to write a poem or a song or some sort of, um, some sort of words about why your family jewels are important to you 
And whoever wins will get a twenty five thousand. We'll get twenty five thousand dollars plus some artist is going to paint your balls. I guess. I, no, I, no, they, they're he's going to create. Yeah, he's going to create a original piece of art based on your poem slash story slash whatever. But no photographs. They said that repeatedly. No photographs. No photographs. No photographs. No photographs. So I. But would you? Would you send? So it's two hundred and eighty word characters or less. That's again, not a lot, by the way. No, but you'd have to write about why you're why your what your balls mean to you so I, I guess i never thought about them did you uh no <laughs> i well you do when you do so <laughs> i know that sounds stupid but you know like for example the other day i was going on a bike ride and i um hop on the bike and it always requires a little bit of sitting back and forth to get things set because you know you're wearing those those biking shorts and it's the saddle can be and the saddle is comfortable enough but you adjust but that's about it. That's they don't. I don't think about them on the bike ride or any. I don't actually think about them too much, actually, to be honest with you. Well, I don't. Um, either, but they said on average we touch our balls eight times a day, right? Was no, that, but did you notice that was in Australia? Well, yeah. Maybe Americans are less or more. I don't know. And by the way, the stuff is called uh, groundskeeper yeah. ball spray. Ball spray. And it comes to us from Dollar Shave Club, as Tim said earlier. And we actually interviewed the founder of Dollar Shave Club. Ah, Tim, that was back on Sirius back in the day. Yeah. He was one of those PR things that the PR yeah. people set it up. He forgot he had the call. He hops on. Let me tell you about this German factory they bought. We make play. I mean, it was like the spiel, right? And then you did ask him some fun questions. But he's long since sold this to, I forget who the parent company is. But this is their product extension, ball ball spray ball spray yeah i i'm would you have thought of that would you have said in the making hey guys we need we need to go beyond razor blades i got it let's let's do ball spray (laughs) well i do understand you know we used to talk about uh my guys at the boathouse i mean trimming their you know trimming the hedge up to make the house look bigger but also just keeping it neat and orderly and so i wonder if this is male grooming yeah and that's Yeah, we'll leave it at that. At that. But if you want, if you're interested, folks, it's from July 21st to August 3rd. Describe what your balls mean to you by replying to at Dollar Shave Club on Twitter using the hashtag, uh, you know, the hashtag paint my balls. So do you have to do it through the, I guess that, yeah. Yeah, through that. And then it's written submissions only. You can use poetry, song lyrics, or a story in 280 characters or less. Just don't send photos or video. I'm going to send got, something in. You know, I think the focus group, as a show should send something in and it should possibly be a haiku. <laughs> That's a great idea. We need to, we, then I need, I need to go back and remember what the rhyming phrase, the well, it's uh, five, seven, five. We, there are, you go. Uh, we, focus. We, right. Keep your balls <laughs> in check. <laughs> no, we're not going to do it on the show now, but everybody oh, okay. will. <laughs> and our, our final, our final, uh, story the headline is netflix cancels turkish show after government demands removal of gay character the turkish government refused to grant netflix or the netflix series if only a filming license if the streamer stuck to the script so with the um the turkish authorities and and quite frankly since erdogan has taken over he's very conservative and of course a friend of our president um there's been lots of censorship particularly around uh uh, for sexual minorities and religious minorities going on in Turkey. And it's all under the guise of there was some sort of coup. And, and so there's lots of suspect about, about others in Turkey, even though homosexuality has been uh, legal there since 1923. But I, I'm glad Netflix didn't back down. And they, they just said, fine, we won't, we, won't, uh, we won't film here, though Turkey is a very important market for them. 
their feeling was we're not going to be dictated to as to what content or what or the censorship of what we can include or not include in our filming. But what's odd about this, um, and you probably saw this in the article as well, is a Netflix representative, a Netflix rep, noted that the streamers shows with LGBTQ content, such as Orange is the New Black or Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, which Tim and I loved Hollywood, air uncensored on its Turkish platform. So it's a sort of a weird disconnect because let's face it. I mean, you know, Hollywood, if you if any of you watched the show on Netflix, it was filled with all kind of, you know, things that might not be happy, you know, not make would make Erdogan unhappy. Right. So it was odd that they would deny the permit to film based on a script that had a gay character, but they would allow this other content to be playing. Right. Yeah. So it, you're exactly right. So it was about filming in Turkey, I guess, was the issue, right? right? The exactly. filming license versus something that may have already been made because then you could just point and say, well, they're, you know, they're bad people. It's the Western influence. I, I, Turkey's been a real problem for the last few years. I don't know how this is going to end with the Turks. I know they wanted to be part of the European Union. That hasn't worked out for them. Um, they've not been a very good partner in NATO and uh, not very good with the Kurds and a bunch of other other issues. So I'll be curious to see what happens, but uh, maybe a new new administration might fix things. We have a very good relationship militarily with Turkey. Yes, we do. In terms yeah. of in terms of where it is, and I think um, I think the Turkish people in general um, are favorable to Americans. But you know, a lot of this, I, I, I as I can be critical, I can't be too critical because our uh, our leadership um, has done a number of things that people scratch their heads at as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And, um, the other thing that they, I was going to probably butcher this, but didn't they just recently convert a building that has been a historical, it's been one of the, on the, um, the world historical list, the Hagia Sophia, I'm, not, I'm probably getting this all wrong, but it, they made it back into a mosque, but it, it's been a museum and a cultural center. It's no, a huge building in Turkey. Um, so they, you know, but he's been hardline conservative and the religious aspect is huge, uh, with him. We have, uh, a friend whose parents still live in Turkey actually. And, um, you know, for a while there, it looked like they were on the ascendancy to, to be truly a more secular, uh, focused or, you yep. know, country. And then after that 2016 failed revolution, um, he really then cracked down more on the conservative religious side. So, Yeah. Interesting story. So, um, hey, we want to remind you to uh, check us out on Wednesdays, the Focus Group, which is live on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook and YouTube. And of course, visit focusgroupradio.com uh, for information about me and Tim, our partners and sponsors, and all our uh, medias there, video and audio, this podcast, and also audio and video uh, for the uh, the focus group on Wednesdays. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for subscribing and listening. Uh, by all means, send any ideas for Unbuttoned, and we do get some for the show. We really appreciate you guys being involved. To letters at focusgroupradio.com and have a great week. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.